0: Welcome to Election Profit Makers, everybody. It's your home for podcasting excellence. We just won three awards last week. I'm going to read them in alphabetical order. The first award we won was the AAA Platinum Good Job Fellas Award. That was given to us by the International Association of Wonderful Podcasting. The second award we won was... Be real or don't be real, that is the question, was the Hamlet Podcasting Award, and that was given to us by the Royal Shakespeare Society of London, England. We got that one in the mail two days ago. The third award we won was the Can't Believe It's Not Butter. Boy, this podcast is better than margarine award. That was given to us by the American Council of Synthetic Dairy Farmers, We picked up that award on a little drive through uh, the Southwest earlier this week. That's right, folks. We keep winning awards. It's not a surprise because, as you know, we are a terrific podcast, and we delight and inform all who listen to us. But what is the name of this award-winning podcast, you're asking yourself? There's only one man who knows the answer. And no, it's not your greasy grandpa. It's our co-host down in Carboro, North Carolina, Long
1: John Silver. Long John, what's the name of this podcast? Uh, Election profit makers is the name of the podcast. Wait a minute, you said we were traveling through the Southwest, and that's where we got the award from the dairy farmers. I kind of don't think that's right. Why not? Dairy farmers—they're up in like Wisconsin, and
0: uh, I bet there's Southwest dairy farms though.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of dairy farms. Texas and, milk. Have you and- ever had Texas milk? New Mexico milk, Arizona yeah, milk. New mm. Mexican milk
0: straight from the cow. Yeah, Utah milk. Utah milk, some of the best milk. I mean, Utah milk must be good because Mitt Romney drinks it as an adult. He still drinks milk. Remember when that was a little issue during the 2012 presidential campaign, how he was drinking so Drink. much milk? No. Oh, well, at least one of us reads the newspapers and watches uh, the news. All right. All right. Well, let's start the episode. Anyway. Okay. Uh according to the outline, the first order of business was standard goofy intro. Hello and chit chat. I think it's safe to say we can strike through that line and move on to the next item. John, what's the next item on this week's outline?
1: Uh portfolio update. Mine is pretty dormant at the moment. Okay, great. I had to take some money out of predict it, uh buy Christmas presents. Ooh, what'd you get me? <laughs> well, nothing yet. But what? um
0: yeah, I just, I'm I want to know, actually, this is interesting. I would love to know from our listeners what they're getting us for the holiday gift for holiday gifts. It's traditional, you know, they always have those pieces in the New York Times like, oh, yes, how much you should tip your doorman and your second backup nanny when the holidays approach and every, and then you're reading mm-hmm. about all these rich people spending like $6,000 on tips for all the humans who labor to make their life less burdensome. But they never say how what they never say how much you should tip your podcast hosts. And they never publish a gift guide what to get your favorite podcast hosts of election profit makers. Why don't they publish stuff like that in the New York Times? I don't know. Anyway, we we can't wait to see what you got us for Christmas and um just uh just um DM us and we'll send you our mailing address. Um I don't need a bicycle. I already have a bicycle. I'm very fond of it actually. So no bicycles this year. <laughs> John, I still have money in my predicted portfolio. In fact, I made some trades this week. Oh, yeah? Remember that old market called how much spending is going to be in this shitty-ass re- reconciliation package? And B1, the worst bracket, $1.5 trillion or lower, was in the lead. Mm-hmm. And I had invested in that bracket. Well, this week, that bracket was up in the mid-'90s, and I was like, I'm going to get out of this bracket. This bracket is depressing. I don't like being in this bracket. So I tried to sell at 95. And then at the very moment I was trying to sell, the bracket price started going back down again, which you would think is good because maybe that means people think there's going to be a larger reconciliation package. Of course, that's not happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. So eventually I sold out at 92 cents. Not, not the funnest wave I've ever ridden. Wait, not the funnest wave I've ever rode. Wait, which one is it? Not the funnest wave I've ever ridden. Ridden. Ridden? Not the funnest wave I've ever rode. Not not the funnest wave I have ever rode. What was that song we sang? Not the funnest wave I have ridden. If I were free... Wait a minute. If I were a rich man, I would ride no. a wave.
1: Not if the I funnest wave I have
0: ever ridden.
1: That is a Christmas tradition. Okay, what? In the Kimball family. What is? To watch
0: Fiddler on the Roof. Really? Oh, well, that's yeah. fun. Okay. Yeah. Never seen it. Never, never have seen Fiddler on the Roof. That's great. Okay. The other market that I wanted to talk about was um the J.D. Vance, who is, as you all know, my main guy, who I love dearly, and whose fat face I fully support with his little beard. He can't help that his face is fat. I know. I shouldn't say that. But I have a weird-looking face. My face is very narrow, right? So. It's interesting. Like, I have a skinny head, like a skinny skull. Mm -hmm. And J.D. Vance kind of has, let's just say, a more rotund skull. It reminds me of this children's book. I just remembered this. My parents once gave me a weird children's book called Fatty Puffs and Thinifers. It was about some people who were very portly and some people who were very tall and slender. Hmm. wonder what that's about. Anyway, J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel, Ohio GOP 22 Senate primary. Guess what? jd vance is once again in the lead oh wait no he's tied (laughs) dang it the market is so dynamic between these two fellows
1: right yeah
0: tied at 36 cents yeah it's exciting okay (laughs) moving on (laughs) wow really exciting. could not give less of two fucks about that race so that's fine i i am invested in it because i signed up for jd vance's email so i get all these emails about his thoughts about uh, the important issues of the day, like cancel culture, um, and uh, oh, the, and the Hollywood elites or the yeah. liberal elites, you know, uh-huh. like JD Vance will send me these emails, like, "Hey David, I know you're one of my top supporters. We got to do something about these coastal elites, David. Why don't you send me some money?" It's like, dude, you're you run a hedge fund or something. You're so rich. I'm not sending you money. As much as I adore you, JD Vance, as much as I would kiss and cuddle you in a New York minute. You'll never see a dime from me. What I can give instead? John, it's like that Christmas carol, the little drummer boy. What can I give this baby? I'll give him a little tippy tap upon my drum. Because the little drummer boy doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. You know, and the king of the universe has just been born in a in a manger. Everyone's like, what are you going to give him? The drummer boy's like, "Well, all I have is my little drum. I guess I could do a drum solo. That's like me with J.D. Vance, right? I can be like, I haven't much money. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not blessed with abundance right now in my life. What I can give you is my enthusiasm, my endorsement, and my publicly stated desire to kiss and cuddle you, J.D. Vance. That might help. You know, if J.D. Vance sent out an email that said, hey, great news team. I just heard that one of the hottest podcasters in the land, Kid Midas from Election Profit Makers." Um, has declared his (laughs) desire and intention to kiss and cuddle me that might endear him to some of those, you know, authentic uh, red state voters that he's craving in the heart of Ohio. And also what he could say is he could say also this podcaster, Kid Midas, went to college right here in our great state of Ohio. He went to one of the top liberal arts colleges in the country. Really? Yeah. Oberlin College. He could say that his voters would be like, oh, there's an Ohio connection. Not only is this guy, Kid Midas, a top podcaster and everything he touches turns to gold, he also went to school right here in Ohio. This is a match made in heaven. J.D. Vance and Kid Midas. I'm going to go do some door knocking for Kid Midas. I mean, sorry for J.D. Vance. I'm getting a little ahead of myself there. I am going to run for senator in Ohio in a couple years. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to have one of those big TV commercials or videos where I step on the camera and it's like, for too long, Ohio's been overlooked by coastal elites. I should know. I went to college here. That's right, Oberlin College, and then I'll. <laughs> well, I have all these shots of when I had when I was cutting my own hair at Oberlin, and I had all these wacky haircuts, and I was wearing thrift store clothes, and you know, doing this and that. Uh, I'll leave everything else to the imagination, um, and then I'll run for senator. Oh my god, okay. Fine. What do you want to talk about? Uh, Woo!
1: Wow, hmm. that was good. Thanks. You know what I got into this week? Oh, is this your fish walls thing? <laughs> yeah, all right. I. Uh, I took a trip up to North Carolina wine country, and um, before I was heading up there, I was just flying around on Google Earth, looking into various things, um, trying to find an interesting place to stay, and I went over this road called Shallowford Road, which is in between Surrey County and Forsyth County, Forsyth County is where Winston Salem is. Surrey County, that's where Mount Airy is, home of Mayberry. And I noticed this huge stone fishing weir right in the middle of the Yadkin River. John, no, nobody.
0: Our audience is entirely East Coast elitist. They don't know what a fishing weir is. A fishing
1: weir is 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 this? This is how the ancient peoples of the world all over the world, used to fish. And there are many of these fish weirs or fish traps or fish dams that they're sometimes called still around in the United States, particularly in the Eastern United States and in places like North Carolina on these shallow rivers where the Native Americans would build these walls, like V-shaped walls that would funnel the fish into an area and then they would stand at the end of the the funnel and put like a reed basket there or something like that or sometimes they would funnel them just into a shallow area and spear them or whatever and many of the colonists actually after the the native americans were gone many of the colonists continued to use some of these fish The fish, fish actually
0: fell for that?
1: Yeah. Fish aren't that smart. I mean, they just swim wherever they can, I think. But this fish weir that I saw it was a thousand feet long. It was uh, pretty amazing. So then I got obsessed and I just started flying around up and down like the Hall River and the Yadkin River looking for them. And I just, I found a ton. How out of character for you, John, to become obsessed with something and then fly around in your virtual helicopter? Well, normally I'm Who looking, are like, you and
0: what have you done with my friend, John Kimball? Is that funny? But,
1: yeah. Normally, it's, you know, more modern infrastructure, not this, this ancient infrastructure.
0: Interesting. Yeah, right. Now you're into the old, old infra. And
1: it's still there. It's incredible. In many, many places, these, these weirs have been removed because boaters have moved them. But North Carolina rivers are famously shallow and unnavigable. So a lot of the weirs have survived. Um it's very cool. I had never heard of a fishing weir until you
0: until you started texting me about this stuff. So when you were flying around and looking in Google Earth and you saw this line of stones in the river, did you immediately know what it was? Yes,
1: I did. Just because I had, you know, seen one before from you know, either an article I'd read or something like that, and I was just like, "Whoa, and I'm sure it's I didn't discover it. I'm sure it's known, although I did searches and I, I couldn't find anything locally. You mean this particular weir and this particular river? Yeah. But then searching with the North Carolina Archaeological Department, they say that the Yadkin PD river system is where the majority of these stone fish traps in North Carolina exist. So it's clear that that is one of them. Um But then I found some closer to home on the Hall River right near Hall, which was an old American Indian village. Um, So it makes sense that there would be some fish traps nearby there, and they're still there today. So fish traps, fish weirs. There you go, folks. Yeah. If anyone knows anything about it, hit me up. If anyone wants to start a podcast about it, I'd be glad to just talk. Oh, okay. Stone fish weirs. Ancient
0: infrastructure that could be the name of your spin off podcast,
1: yeah, I they used like to have, that. I mean,
0: you could do something about aqueducts. Have you ever heard of those? Those are also water related, yeah, aqueducts, John were ways to get water into ancient Roman villages and cities for people to yeah. drink and I guess use for their toilets. I'm not sure,
1: so you know these fish weirs they're not just in the u s they're everywhere they're in and um they were used in medieval times in Europe, and a lot of them. Or destroyed, or just by law because they wanted uh, ships to be able to move. But the ones that were on the coast, they allowed to stay. So there's still some really ancient ones out on the coast. Amazing stuff! Thanks for letting me talk about it. Absolutely, we, delight, cannot... in, we delight
0: in your we delight in your cavalcade of interests and
1: obsessions, John. The thing is, I discovered it at, at like 11:30 at night, and then it was on. what time did you fall asleep that night? I I mean, it was probably like four o'clock in the morning. Johnny, 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 no,
0: we have to learn to temper our, our desires when it's that late at night. That's like me with cheese. And it's like, I guess I'll just watch one more episode of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I guess it's not too late to eat cheese and crackers. The sun isn't coming up yet, you know? Yeah. John, we got to get our shit together in 2022, man. I mean, come on, y'all. We got to get our game face on. Yeah. Because you with your fishing weirs and me with my cheese. I mean, there's only so many more years that we can keep up this lifestyle. I know. Maybe we should uh, move on to the bad boys of the week. Well, before we get to the bad boys of the week, I want to say that Time Magazine has just announced, as of today, their 2021 Person of the Year. John, do you know who it is? Uh, I'll read you the intro and you guess who it is. This is okay. the I,
1: introductory I, paragraph. I want to guess before the intro. Okay. Um, Fauci.
0: Oh, wrong. Oh, okay. Someone more important than Fauci. Here's the intro. Time Magazine, 2021 Person of the Year. The richest man in the world does not own a house and has recently been selling off his fortune. He tosses satellites into orbit and harnesses the sun. He drives a car he created that uses no gas and barely needs a driver. With a flick of his finger, the stock market soars or swoons. An army of devotees hangs on his every utterance. He dreams of Mars as he bestrides Earth square-jawed, and indomitable. Lately, he also likes to live-tweet his poops. Guess who it is? Elon
1: Musk. Yes. Once sold a domain to him. Yeah, do you want to tell that story? You've never talked about it before. No, I think we have talked about it.
0: No, we never We never got into it.
1: Uh, well, anyway, God, I sold really him a domain God, he really does have
0: a fucked-up haircut. Is this is this haircut an
1: alt-right thing? Is he trying to yeah, troll the yeah. lips? It's one of those, uh, what's it called? Got to name that haircut yeah. where you shave it all on the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looks terrible.
0: I can't believe they made him person of the year.
1: Well, they, you know, they made Hitler person of the year. They've yeah, done but, that before. Yeah, sure, so but I mean. They just do controversial people.
0: I guess they're looking for those clicks, right? And here I am. look, Here I am scrolling through their website looking for juicy morsels of Musk, of Musk intel. Boy, oh boy. And I have to say, in fairness to Time Magazine, I'm pretty sure that paragraph was a bit tongue-in-cheek, right? No one can seriously use the phrase, what did he say? Bestride? What was, What did they say? They said, um, he dreams of Mars as he bestrides Earth. No one says that in good faith and sincerity, because that sounds like <laughs> the worst Marvel comic from like 1967 <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, yeah. He dreams of Mars as he bestrides Earth, and then Jack Kirby drives one of his fucking. He draws one of those weird faces that's like three feet wide and has all these weird shadows and bubbles on it, and it says, "Yeah, his name is Bestrider, <laughs> and he lives in space." You know, how Jack Kirby had all these weird metaphysical superheroes that just float in space and didn't do shit but watch everything. That's what he sounds like in that description. Okay, enough about Elon Musk. I think we've nominated him before. He's not a bad boy this week. He's been he's he's being person of the year you can't be a bad boy and be person of the year he should have he should have rejected this award because this is a very square normie award and i bet on some level even though he participated in the profile i wonder if this kind of hurts his indie cred with the online boys that that Hmm. you know what i mean like you know like remember when metallica was up for best metal album the first year the grammys had the best metal album Mm-hmm. And it was controversial, first of all, because they actually gave the album that year, the award that year to Jethro Tall. People were like, mm, really? And Metallica played the Grammys that year. They played one, their masterpiece, right? I guess it worked out really well for Metallica. They're one of the best-selling bands in in history. Yeah. But it did seem to take a little of the—it it made them seem a little less dangerous. And I feel like Elon Musk being Time Person of the Year also kind of reduces the danger funky factor, right?
1: Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I think these fan boys are not going to abandon him okay. for anything, as long as okay. he keeps trolling on Twitter. As long as he keeps bestriding. And bestriding. He's the
0: bestrider. Okay, let's move on to Bad Boys of the Week for real this time.
1: Yep. Everybody get ready. Yeah, yeah.
0: Everybody have fun.
1: Party, party.
0: It's Bad Boys of the Week.
1: Let's get it popping. Bad Boys are number one.
0: Well, Thomas Massey, the guy with the uh, machine gun family Christmas
1: photo. Yeah, congressman from Kentucky.
0: Now, we should say, in fairness, their traditional Christmas card is posing with instruments. And then they thought, this will be fun if we pose with rifles. But it was never going to be their official Christmas card. It's still gross. It was right after, you know, it was what, a week after that gun massacre in Michigan but I don't think he was quite as much of a bad boy as people thought just based on that image because they were just being, well, I don't know. I was going to say they were just being obnoxious, but that is the heart and soul of the bad boy. I don't know. I think that's pretty, that's pretty bad boyish. He said, we actually took a very similar photo holding musical instruments because we like to shoot guns and play music when we get together as a family. Okay, he's a bad boy.
1: That's normal. <laughs> yeah, they did get they did get a lot of pushback, even from people that are gun people. They were, you know, pe- a lot of people said, yeah, we like to shoot guns too, but we don't like to rub it in others' faces. And, you know, I'm not a gun guy, but if you're going to have a gun, uh, I'm not going to say that you're necessarily an evil person, even if you're not even using it for hunting. You're just using it to blow things up or whatever. But if you're carrying it around in the grocery store or taking pictures like that and rubbing it in people's faces, that's, I don't know if that's cool. Okay. He's a bad boy. You convinced me. Bad boys are number one.
0: I've always wondered what I would do if I was at a Taco Bell or a Subway sandwich and I encountered one of these people whose photos you see online, someone with a huge... AR-15 or whatever, slung across their back. Sometimes I sit around and ponder all the incredible witticisms I could drop on that person. Right, Just a little right. comment out of the side of my mouth, delivered with an arched eyebrow, perhaps, that would reduce them to nothing and make them throw their gun in the garbage in shame. Just a little yeah. urbane comment, right? Something like, oh, I see it's um, <laughs> small penis compensation day here at Subway Sandwiches. Yeah. Guess you won't be getting a foot long, more like a two inch long. Then the guy's like, "God damn it, this man rocked me to my core. Take this gun off of me, fuck! I've been he saw through me like cellophane. God damn it, I don't want this piece of shit gun. Wouldn't that be incredible if that happened? I can't wait for that moment. I'm gonna have so yeah. many little jibes and zingers I would not recommend up. doing that. Okay, you be the guy with the huge gun. I don't know why I'm mm. giving him a southern accent. These people are everywhere. It's not just this, not just southerners. I walk into uh, what's my favorite restaurant that would have counter service cuz they're always at they can't sit down because they have these huge guns on their back. Right. So they have to stand at the counter. So let's say that we're at um Five Guys, okay? I'm getting a burger and fries at Five Guys. And I walk in and there you are, John Kimball, and you have a huge huge m- machine gun slung over your shoulder resting against your back, right? All right. Now you're placing your order and I'm behind you in line.
1: No, I'd like uh- some greasy French fries. I don't know. Excuse me, sir. Sir, excuse me. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Um, I'm sorry to bother you in the middle of your order here at Five Guys Restaurant. Mm -hmm. But um, it seems you have... um... I beg your pardon, sir. Return to your order. I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. How was that? Just a little unsettling because I couldn't get it out with a straight face. Right. In order for these zingers to work, you really have to deliver them with just, just you
1: know, martini cold delivery. Like Do you realize, the person that's carrying this gun, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking no, for a confrontation. No, what they're looking for is for me to come up and go.
0: I can't believe
1: you're wearing that gun in here. This is blah blah blah. But
0: I'm not right. like that. I don't get triggered. Right. I may be a snowflake, but that's because
1: I'm ice cold. Maybe no, I'm with you. I think I would want to just give them sort of a sneering look like, you're pathetic, I'm not intimidated. Here's what I would say. I've got it.
0: I would say, excuse me, may I speak to the manager? It's... (laughs) This is what I would say. Okay, I got it. I got it. This is great. This is the best episode ever. I would Mm -hmm. say, excuse me, sir. Tap, tap. That's me tapping on his shoulder. He turns around. (gasps) Did you perchance... Graduate from Oberlin College in 1994. I could swear that we were in the same Foucault seminar. <laughs> oh, tears well in his eyes. Oh, my God. He looks God. down at his big belly and his feet, and he thinks to himself, I've been owned. Anyway. What a, what a fun episode. Good Lord. Yeah, okay. uh, that was
1: good. Okay. Um. <laughs> Excuse me, good sir. Oh my God, I would do it. I would have
0: to wear a little, I would wear. Here's what I would do, John. I this is for real. I would see him. I would run home as quickly as possible. I would change into a tuxedo and top hat Uh-oh. with tails. So I looked like the Monopoly man. I would run back as fast as possible that he's still, at, he's still at five guys placing his order with his big gun on his back. And I would tap him on the shoulder. He would turn around. I would look so classy and sophisticated. I'm wearing a tuxedo and tails like, it's like 4 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon.
1: Right, in a monocle.
0: And I'm, yeah. I have my little monocle, and I take out my monocle and say, excuse me, sir, weren't you in my Foucault seminar at Oberlin College in 1993? <laughs> History of sexuality much? Like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Bad Boys of the Week. What a great segment. Who else is uh-huh. on the list other than Thomas Massey and our hypothetical
1: Five Guys machine gun man? All right, next on this list is somebody... Who has come out and announced that he is running for Senate in Pennsylvania, even though apparently he lives in New Jersey? Yes. My nemesis, my nemesis. Dr. Oz. And you
0: have claimed that you have some sort of history. Well, first let's talk about why he's a bad boy, and then let's talk about why he's my nemesis. You tell me. Dr. Oz, the famous TV physician that Oprah Winfrey has bestowed upon our culture, much to our benefit, Dr. Oz is running. For senator on the Republican ticket in Pennsylvania, his um, campaign is based on the fact that people are trying to cancel him um, because the Philadelphia papers don't use doctor when they're describing someone. The House style is just to use their last name instead, right? So instead of saying, Dr. Oz said that we should lower taxes, they'll just say, Oz said we should lower taxes. He says that's them trying to cancel him. And that, quote, unquote, I won't be canceled. Now, listen to this. Here's the ironic thing. Dr. Oz canceled me. Wait a minute. How? Dr. Oz says, you won't cancel me. I won't be canceled. Motherfucker, you canceled Kid Midas. I was on the Dr. Oz show years and years ago. Wait a minute.
1: What? Why? Wait a minute. You actually were on the show? Yes, I was on the show. I met him. They, I for, filmed a segment with him.
0: What? Forget your war on? Yeah, John. Forget your war. Yeah, exactly. Doctor <laughs> Doctor Oz was doing a segment on the Oprah Network about five must must read left wing cartoons. It was a panel. It was Doctor Oz, uh-huh. me, <laughs> Ted Rall, Tom Tomorrow, fucking Tom Tolles, and Reuben Bowling. No, it okay. was for my TV show. Yeah, and I don't I don't blame you for not knowing this because nobody knew about this fucking TV show. Oh, yeah, Going Deep. Yeah, Going Deep with David Reese, a self-help how-to show that I hosted for two years that nobody watched. And we struggled and struggled to get PR and we struggled to get media attention. And then out of nowhere, one of our PR reps was like, I booked David on the Dr. Oz show. And the emails that flew back and forth were orgasmic. Like once we get David on Dr. Oz, tap into that housewife market? Yeah. We're going to have the biggest show on TV. So what happened? Because I'm an Oberlin graduate and I can't allow myself to be happy or successful, I had to self-sabotage by being like, I don't know, guys. Is Dr. Oz really a good fit for us? He always gets in trouble for pseudoscience and quackery. And we're actually trying to make a show with real scientists. And then everyone, everyone was like, get over yourself and go on the fucking Dr. Oz show. I was like, you're right. You're right. This will be good. I'll go, well, I'll go do my segment and I'm not going to compromise myself and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. John, at the time I was living in, in the Hudson Valley in Dutchess County. Dr. Oz, they sent a big black truck and they picked me up on my front door and they drove me all the way down to the studios in Manhattan. A truck? You know, a huge SUV.
1: Yeah, like a little limo type situation. Not yeah. a
0: limousine, but like, you know, an S, you know, a big hulking thing. Like on Succession. If you ever watch Succession, those people are always tumbling in and out of these massive trucks. Okay, that was yeah. me. I was like Logan Roy, sitting there with my free bottled water, looking out the, looking out the window as we approached the island of Manhattan so I could go on the Dr. Oz show. It was the bee's knees. So they drove
1: all the way out to Dutchess County, and then what is that, like five hours from New York? No, it's 90 minutes. It's not that far. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I get to the studio. We know what we're going to do.
0: We're going to do a section. And we had an episode called How to Take a Nap, oh, featuring a celebrity guest investor, John Hodgman. And we thought, okay, this is something that we can set up quickly in the studio, and we can talk about sleep, health, and naps, and the best time to take a nap, and how long a nap should be, and blah, 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 blah. So I go to the Dr. Oz studio in Manhattan. I go to the green room. Now, Dr. Oz, it turns out, is famous for having really healthy, good green room snacks, okay? Because I think he has a stake in some snack company. So the snacks were terrific. Dr. Oz comes in. He introduces himself. Nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. And and then I go out onto the set. There's bleachers or benches with a bunch of... Housewives, you know, clapping, going crazy for Dr. Oz. And then they say, right. you know, they do a bunch of segments each episode. And they're like, now we have something. David Reese, the host of this new shitty show that no one watches, has uh, going to come out and talk about naps. So I'm very excited. I come out. I mean, my, I iron my shirt. I'm standing up straight. This is it. This is my one shot to actually be a household name. Right? So they called you out. Everyone's clapping. Everyone... Yeah, yeah, you just go out like when you're doing a talk show or something. So I come out into the middle of the little stage or the area, and they have some Doctor Oz. Some of his staffers have followed different napping techniques, and we're going to talk about who took the best nap. I can't remember the specifics, and I'll admit this was light. This is some. This was a light segment, okay? And um, maybe we showed a clip from the show. I can't remember. I hope we did. Anyway, so they these it, these three staffers who work for Doctor Oz come out, and one of them's like, "Yeah, I took a nap at 5 p.m." One of them's like. I kept a nap journal and took a nap. Anyway, and then I left. And then the the truck took me back up to my house. They didn't throw me out like used garbage. They were like, great job. Nice Mm -hmm. to meet you. And now your car is waiting. And you're ready to go back up to your house and beacon like Logan Roy of the famous TV show Succession. So then we just sit around with bated breath. When is this segment going to air? Because once this segment airs, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm finally going to be a millionaire. Everyone's going to be watching my show. Everyone's going to be watching my show. Because once you're on Dr. Oz, right? It's like Oprah. Remember, Oprah made Dr. Oz famous. Let Dr. Oz make me famous, right? Each one, teach one. (sighs) Months go by. Months and months. And then we realize they never aired it. I got cut from the Dr. Oz episode. And now here's the thing. I thought to myself, God damn. If you get cut from Dr. Oz for not being scientific enough, <laughs> then you're basically a, a tarot deck with a wizard hat on. On Like, I was like, I was disappointed. But I, I, yeah. mean, I, do, I do admit, like, it wasn't super scientific. We were talking about taking naps. Like, you know, there's only so much you should say. A, ma- a nap should be 20 minutes. That's the most refreshing, shortest amount of time you can take a nap. 20 minutes, and you should take it midway through your day. But goddamn, ever since that moment, I said, Dr. Oz, I don't care if I see you someday at one of the finest restaurants in Manhattan. You and I are not friends. And now look what's happening. He's running for the Republican Senate seat in Pennsylvania. Oh, Dr. Oz, I can guarantee I will not be supporting your campaign, Dr. Oz. Now, you canceled me and then you cry about cancel culture. Who cancels the cancelers? (laughs) I'm the one who was canceled by Dr. Oz. And I'm still here. Stronger than ever, Dr. Oz. You tried to cancel me, but I won't be. I mean, technically, yes, the show was canceled. More specifically, it was canceled by two separate TV networks, which is kind of amazing. But yeah, other than that, Dr. Oz, you won't cancel Kid Midas. You can't cancel Kid Midas. You may have your empire of pseudoscience and fake medicine and sketchy this and sketchy that. But you'll never host election profit makers, Dr. Oz. And I know that's tearing you apart. How was that? All right, moving on. That was on. good. And he'll never be senator. Yeah, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's even going to win the Republican primary. Gamblers unpredicted. predicted. Agree. I think he's trading at 37. He's five cents below David McCormick, who I think is just a finance hedge fund douchebag. Dr. Uh, Oz is down two to 37. So we'll see. Okay. So who's our bad boy of the week? Ooh. I don't know. Kind of a weak field actually. I'm not really feeling any of these guys. I kind of want to give it to Dr. Oz. Even though he's kind of too dorky to be a bad boy, you know? Yeah, give it to Dr. Oz. All right, Dr. Oz, you're bad boy of the week, but it's but it's a, you had a weak field. And you know what? We're bigger bad boys than you are. So,
1: boom. Huh. Uh, listener questions, uh, oh, man, we got some more corrections. It's fine. It's fine. So, so many. Micah writes in along with everybody else and their brother and <laughs> says, recently John issued a correction about the longest field goal. While he got the time, place, distance, and team correct, the kicker's name is actually Justin Tucker, not Justin Turner, who is a different athlete who plays baseball for the LA Dodgers. Uh, My apologies, the person who had sent in the original correction obviously got it wrong, and I should have fact-checked them. Wow, you just threw Uh, somebody under the bus, John. Well, I didn't throw them under the bus. I didn't mention their name. Oh, that's true. But uh, no, it's on me. Okay. It's on me. I take responsibility. Patrick also wrote in, said he loves the pod and has... Very much appreciated all the effects pedal talk. Mm. I'm one vote for a weekly segment on them. I listened to David's episode of the Dork Forest and it inspired me or maybe just brainwashed me to purchase my first pedal. I went with the Behringer SF300 Superfuzz. I'm looking forward to messing around with my new gear and hearing more about all things pedals. Keep up the great work, guys. Right, so
0: now that the UNC football season has ended, John is no longer doing his weekly UNC football updates. And I know, based on UNC's trouncing of Elon College the other night, that John is in no mood to talk about UNC basketball either. Yeah. Because Elon is actually John's alma mater. Mm -hmm. We were trying to think of another fun weekly segment, and then I said, maybe we should talk about a different pedal every week. And we got, I think, literally 6,000 emails saying... They had never heard anything so exciting as this. Uh, Or we just got an email from Patrick. But you know what, Patrick? Your voice, because of its sincerity and enthusiasm, is worth 6,000 of the the screaming hordes. So, Patrick, this is for you. Kid Midas' weekly pedal review. This week, and everybody else better keep listening, too. I don't want to see anybody turning off their podcast right now. We're talking about a pedal that was actually sent to me by Dennis, an EPM listener, many, many months ago. And I have to say, Dennis, this pedal has been on my little tabletop bleep bloop sound making setup ever since. And I'm going to tell you, Patrick, the next pedal that you're going to be buying after that Behringer fuzz is the DOD Rubberneck Analog Delay. This is an analog delay with tap tempo. This is a terrific delay pedal. I used to use the Electro Harmonix Canyon pedal, which a lot of you know because it has multiple types of delays. It has reverse delay. It has fake tape machine delay. It has totally pristine delay. It has like a shimmering octave delay. Now, the DoD Rubberneck doesn't have all those different options. All it does is straight-up old-school analog delay. But boy, oh boy, the knobs on this motherfucking pedal. Woo! This this pedal John has. First of all, I love a big, fat, wide pedal that's like a like a Jack Kirby face in an old Marvel comic. Just plenty of room, okay? I like yeah. it with some horizontal spread. All right, good thick. Pedal. Yeah, exactly. Nice and wide. This pedal has three huge boss-style knobs along the top, and I love a big knob on a pedal, too. I don't like these tiny little knobs because because my as I age, my eyesight is getting poorer and poorer. I need things to be bigger and bigger to compensate. And then below those three huge knobs, uh, Patrick, we have two concentric knobs, and those are adjusting the rate and the depth of the kind of warble. You can introduce a warble to the delay, if you know what I mean, John. As it echoes, it gives lot like mm, that. I don't. And there's one for gain and tone. And the three big knobs I should have mentioned are time, the number of repeats, and the effect level, of course. That's pretty standard. Now, here's what's interesting about this pedal. It has tap tempo. Patrick, I'm telling you, tap tempo is a game changer. That means that you, when you're playing your guitar or whatever instrument you're running the pedal out of, you can press the pedal button in time to the beat, and that means that the delay will be rhythmically in, in sequence with, with whatever whatever your instrument is playing. And you can then adjust the tap ratio. I always keep it on on um dotted quarter notes, because then you get that thing like you've ever heard the edge, John from U2, he's a guitar player. He has a yeah. very distinctive guitar sound, like jing-a-ding-ding-ding, jing, a ding 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 jing jing a ding jing a ding jing ding jing. And then this fellow Bono comes out and says, I am running, you know? So that's tap tempo. And the only other thing, the only other thing I wanted to say about Joshua this, Tree. Yeah, Joshua Tree, exactly, John, what a great reference. Yep, that's yeah. a huge album that you two made. <laughs> um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is then it has this little crazy button. This is where it gets the name Rubberneck, where if you press the button, it'll like speed up double the delay if you want, so it'll go like an octave above whatever you're playing. So it'd be like, if you're playing a song, and you're like, strumma, strumma, strum, strrum, strrum, you can press this button, it'll go strumma, 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 strum. Strrum, 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 it's really fun. Anyway. That wasn't the greatest explanation of this pedal, but Patrick, I just want to say, and for any other listeners, I just want to say, DOD Rubberneck Analog Delay. This is my new favorite delay pedal, and again, I want to thank Dennis, the EPM listener, who sent it to me. I've really appreciated this pedal. I've had a lot of fun with it. Doesn't do reverse delay, doesn't do shimmer delay, but it's a good analog delay with tap tempo, and it has wonderful, wonderful, huge fucking knobs on it, and so this pedal gets my highest recommendation. The end. ACC football. It's not great. John, I
1: guess you're going to do this. We got an email from listener Andrew. Andrew, yes. My friend and yours, Andrew, wrote in about the story that I told about him a couple of episodes ago where he was asked where he was going to school, and he said North Carolina, and I thought that that was the most ridiculous thing ever, and apparently Andrew no, did it, not. No,
0: you also thought it was literally the most hilarious thing you had ever heard. <laughs>
1: it it was very funny. Like you can't funny.
0: even think about it without laughing.
1: Yeah, it, so it was mad. funny. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange thing to say. So Andrew writes in, Boy, did Andrew write in? He he said that I did not tell the story correctly, and that uh, more context uh, needs to be added. So I'm just going to go ahead and read his email. I don't know if this will need to be edited down. Uh, I'm not editing because... any shit. Okay. Well, Andrew writes in. Good story. Thank you for sharing that. It is only right that this story be memorialized. However, I would like to recount a few more surrounding details, and in doing so, perhaps refresh John's recollection as to why this was truly a moment to remember. The setting for this exchange was the swimming pool of the Chapel Hill Country Club. John and I actually met at this place in sixth grade at a tennis camp, so it's kind of funny that we were back there together because we hardly ever hung out there. Now, in college, John and I had dropped by the pool to say hello probably to my mom but i can't remember we were definitely not there to swim how do i know this because i was not wearing a swimsuit i was wearing a pair of baggy navy cut-off russell athletic sweatpants and some penny loafers without socks strangely attired for most anywhere but certainly strangely attired for a country club yes i do remember that he looked ridiculous now he writes, but John and I were there sort of ironically as neither of us frequented the country club after the age of about 14. So I think I was okay with looking weird. I do remember that one of our high school chums, he mentions the name, uh, burst out laughing when he saw me shirtless with cutoff sweats and penny loafers and loudly drew attention to this. Andrew claims, this did not bother me though because I completely understood why he was laughing. Meanwhile, John was also LOLing and LMAOing. He writes about my attire. This is the background for the action of the story. You still with me, David? So, Andrew continues. Upon taking off my shoes and entering the pool, I realized that I couldn't really swim with my navy blue Russell athletic shorts because they became waterlogged and super heavy and were practically falling off. So we couldn't swim or jump off the diving board with the cool people. We just decided to chill out in the shallow area of the pool. Just a couple of college kids sitting on the bottom of the children's area of the pool and talking, which is totally normal. I think John must've had a normal bathing suit on, probably. At this point, Another younger person recognized us and came over to say hello. This guy was definitely younger than us, a senior in high school, I think, and probably knew me through my younger brother. Andrew's giving, providing lots of background here. I knew who he was, but didn't really know him other than he was one of those kids who was good at academics and golf and everything else, and never got into any, any trouble and always impressed grownups, et cetera. Basically, the exact kid you would expect to see at a country club pool. My conversation never really got off the ground though. I am projecting here a little, but I think I suddenly started to feel self-conscious about my raggedy ass cut off sweats, which probably weighed about 20 pounds with water at this point. And here we are sitting in the kid's part of the pool and this perfectly preppy kid is just standing there and suddenly making me realize that I actually look kind of ridiculous. I can't read minds, but I also think he might have also now felt awkward because he was like, whoa, I walked over here to say hello, and now that I'm here, I realize that this dude is in the kids' area of the pool wearing very questionable swimming pants. This gives rise to the climax of the story. If I recall, there was a pretty awkward pause and then sort of a classic off-the-rack question for when the silence just became so deafening. So, where are you going to school? He asks, now I am basically like, oh man, how do I end this conversation politely and as quickly as possible? Another long, awkward silence. I look him in the eye, dead serious and say, North Carolina. Now this was almost 30 years ago. So a lot of time has passed since then. But if I really try to reimagine how I felt at the moment, I think my goal was to baffle and bewilder this kid so that he would have no real choice other than to walk <laughs> away, <laughs> which is exactly what he did. Mission accomplished. Now, it's not wrong to say, quote unquote, North Carolina when referring to UNC Chapel Hill. It's also not wrong to order French fried potatoes with your burger. But like ordering French fried potatoes, it's definitely something that would cause the other person to reasonably call your judgment into question. It's a little bit like the Richard Nixon madman theory. Make your adversary believe that you are literally crazy and checkmate. Wow. And there you go. I I trust that is the definitive take on the amazing North Carolina story. Thanks for writing, Andrew. It probably would have been better to have Andrew on and just tell the story.
0: I don't know. He's a good writer, and it was a wonderful delivery. And I'm sure it's going to replace a child's Christmas in Wales as a as a holiday tradition for family read-alongs by the <laughs> by the Yule log.
1: Did you have a like a a movie that you would watch? That no, was like a John, I didn't. Really? No, my parents. You, no, you did, hardly had a TV. Okay, all right. Let's, wow. So we would watch. Um, as I said, uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. And then later, in our later years, we one Christmas Eve, we watched uh, The Dirty Dozen. Really? Yeah. It seems perverse. It, it was perverse. And I think we knew it was perverse and just laughed over and over and over. So that sort of became a, a Christmas tradition. The
0: tradition that I had on, with Christmas movies was a great tradition. Before everyone had settled down, every Christmas night my friends, and yours, Mike and Jenny, would come over to my house, or we would Mm -hmm. all go to VizArt Video together, and we would rent the most disgusting movie that we could find. We would bring it back to my parents' house. We would watch it on their VCR, and when the movie was over, then we would go to the cave, the best bar in Chapel Hill, and play pool. And this tradition went on for years and years.
1: Like, what do you mean by disgusting? Like, faces of death,
0: no, because we had already seen Faces of Death in high school. No, we watched yeah, Hated, I remember that, that. that documentary about Gigi Allen, mm-hmm. who, who had a habit of making a spectacle of himself on mm-hmm. stage. And we watched uh, What's Dead Alive, which I think was Peter Jackson's first movie, which climaxes with, I think, a guy killing a bunch of zombies with a lawnmower. It was just like, whatever was the grossest, tackiest movie we could watch on Christmas night, we would do it. And then we would go to the cave. It was a lovely tradition. It was nice.
1: Yeah, that's anyway, fun.
0: But obviously, obviously, my parents were not a part of that tradition. They—that nah. was I think we probably actively hid the movies from them because they would have been scandalized. All right, let's wrap this up. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening. It was a weird one, folks, but, you know, uh, it's weird times. It's kind of depressing times, so we're just deciding to have a little bit of fun. We hope that this brightened your week. Or, yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, we hope that this brightened your week, right? Yeah. Fish walls and soggy sweatpants. That's our pledge to you. Every week, something new. Election profit makers. Election profit makers is a Radio Point production. We have the executive producers Alex Bachrich, Corson, and Daniel Powell, with much needed help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. Support us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/ElectionProfitMakers. Every dollar helps. Send your election prediction questions to contact at ElectionProfitMakers.com. And if you can't tell by now, we're also open to non-election prediction questions as well. Because John doesn't even do predicted anymore because he's got to have all his money to buy Christmas gifts for everyone on the planet Earth except for his co-host. That's fine. And rate and review us on um, all the
1: podcast uh, reviewing platforms. And I would just like to say thank you for everyone who followed me on Twitter. Oh, that's right. My only goal was to get uh, 4,000 followers, and I blew through that. And that was awesome. It feels good, and I'm, you know... It's great that you, I hope you guys will stick around. Yeah. Well, that's true. Fish terrific. weirs. Yep. You may have okay, to see goodbye. some, you might have to see some fish and goodbye, content. Okay. Goodbye. Have you read A New Voyage to Carolina and by John goodbye. Lawson? goodbye. Okay.